0: You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things stars, Marvel, DC, and Beyond. This episode number 330. We're discussing San Diego Comic-Con 2022 reveals from DC and Marvel. I'm your host, Tim. And I'm Carlos. And guys, we are back at the mics after another hiatus, a two-week hiatus, a little bit longer one this week, or these past two weeks. We're back to talk about one of the biggest weekends of the year, and that's San Diego Comic-Con 2022. We are about halfway through the year. We've seen a lot of blockbusters And both Marvel and DC dropped a ton of content on us this year for San Diego Comic-Con with big slates revealed, major trailers from upcoming movies in the back half of 2022, and a very exciting time to be a nerd. You know, there's always this concept of who won Comic-Con. I tell you who won Comic-Con, Carlos, you, me, and all the other nerds in the world because it is just an unreal time to be consuming, whether it's comic books, toys, films, TV shows, does not matter. There's something out there for everyone. And that's the aspect I love about
1: it. Yeah, it's crazy. I don't know why people have to be dumb and turn everything into this competition. Last I checked, there's no standings and there's no pennant for winning. So yeah. yeah.
0: It's so funny that that's that's actually a PSA that we almost have to put out there. This, this idea of always pitting one franchise against another. I know there's inherent competition but like that's not for you or I to 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 hold up. That is, you know, maybe a little bit about Feige and someone else being like, "Oh, hey, they've done something really cool. Let's try to match that and maybe do a little better." But out here whining on Twitter about this, that, and the other thing, it's like. Jeez, like, did you not see Dwayne The Rock Johnson rise above the stage and show this baller Black Adam? you like, why are we all over DC right now? Who cares? We're going to get these films. and You're going to get the Flash film still. It, it kind of, like, it, it dampened the weekend a little bit for me, to be honest with you, because it was the first time I'm back on Twitter in quite a few weeks, and I wanted to share, experience the positivity of all. And then it's just, like, everywhere you turn, it's like, hashtag this, hashtag that. It's like, come on.
1: Yeah, I don't get the crying. Like, honestly, unless you're a major shareholder – and I guarantee you that anybody who is was not crying about stuff on Twitter this weekend. <laughs> uh, why do you care? Just uh, absorb everything, enjoy it. And there's a lot to be excited about. And a lot of it seemed to be born out of things not being showcased the exact way that you thought it was fit. But that's not up for you to decide. So uh hate to tell you this, but uh, we don't care.
0: No, not at all. And we're here to discuss the positive end of things, guys. We're not here to say, oh, Henry Cavill wasn't there, or oh, this, that, and the other thing from Marvel didn't happen. They didn't announce the, the third Avengers movie that's coming and whatever. You know what? We're here to to just soak in what it was this weekend. And we got to kick it off with DC. We're not going to do the normal news bits. We're just going to go straight into DC and Marvel Because there's so much to get through here. But let's kick it off the same way San Diego Comic-Con did with DC. A showcase panel. I believe it's a Warner Brothers panel. Mm -hmm. But it was owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Him rising above the stage in full Black Adam costume. Commanding an audience like none other. And then dropping what is a much more refined trailer on us. That delay, I think you said in one of the DMs, that delay is really benefiting... Black Adam and being showcased alongside of the powerhouse that is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Man, talk about an asset to not only the DC universe, but to Warner Brothers themselves with this film coming.
1: Yeah, man. Like he brought the house down. I don't know that there's been anything before that that has showcased the majesty and the power of of a character the way that he did. And, you know, with getting everybody amped with given the little necklaces with the light effects. And, the uh, I guess if you open them up, there was a free IMAX ticket inside as well to go see the movie. So yeah, just cool. And what an experience. And, uh, you know for lack of a better term like how electrifying that must have been to be sitting in that crowd <laughs> and to not only be in that guy's presence but for him to put on the showcase that he did and to get into character and rock the stage like that that was pretty amazing and then you know we had this fun little Q&A after and that footage that they dropped was awesome like those scenes of him mm-hmm. fighting the justice society there was there was a refinement and a gravitas to it that quite frankly wasn't there before in that first trailer which i thought was decent but it wasn't this and i don't know that i was expecting that but like everything with that trailer looked like a lot more badass it felt like a little bit higher stakes not so much that you thought that he was going to lose but you're kind of thinking like shoot i don't want him to kill Hawkman, and i really hope he doesn't pull (laughs) dr fate's head off his body but uh yeah it was it was awesome like Talk about just owning that moment, and you know, there's there's a few rumblings that they were gonna skip all together, and it was him that felt it was really important to be at San Diego Comic Con. So I think that that's awesome, and yeah, he's in full court press. In fact, tonight he dressed up as Crypto in the full character outfit, showed up at a <laughs> screening, and uh, gave a family a dog, uh, as well as setting up Whoa. a terramana bar for all the parents. So yeah, that guy is Mr. DC now, and I think it's awesome because. Uh, Yeah, As he dubbed himself, he's Franchise Viagra. So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I love that piece
0: of him. And he's just so real, I think, when it comes to when you say that it was him that decided, no, no, we need a presence in some fashion at San Diego Comic-Con because that is where you have that experience-based reveals. You know, we talked about this in the DM too, that or even I think outrage online on Twitter about the concept of the experience of San Diego comic-con mm-hmm. and the idea of holding footage back is not something that you or I are super in love with this idea that people in the room are the only ones that get to see secret invasion or whatever, right? It's about the experience and experiencing it with all those like-minded people in that giant room and the hype of the moment that should be the reward for being there and not the footage. And DC didn't hold anything back because we got to see this black Adam footage, almost immediately as they dropped it inside of Hall H. And like you said, the Justice Society, the Adam Adam Smasher, Dr. Fate, Hawkman, like those scenes look so good. There is an interesting, like you said, the, the refinement to it, I think to me is taking it to another level. And this is where I'm starting to blur the lines between Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Black Adam is that this film, it's still got a couple of months, you know, October 21st, it comes out. But I'm starting to lose DJ. And I've said this in the past. And I'll continue to say it. That's the only thing I want for this character. So I think that he can embody the role. But I don't want to see, you know, khaki Dwayne The Rock Johnson running through a jungle again. I want to see Black Adam. I want to see him own this character. And every single little piece of information we get, every new visual, even him up on stage, starts to really blur those lines, which I think is a really cool thing for DJ and for the character of Black Adam and him continuing to change and evolve the hierarchy power in DC.
1: Yeah. To be honest, like just to build on your point, you want to see the same thing happen with him and Black Adam that happened with John Cena and Peacemaker. I think we all looked at that yes. casting and went into the Suicide Squad thinking that it'll just be funny John Cena, but mm-hmm. very much John Cena in this movie, whereas he delivered a very poignant character both in that movie and then transitioned into something else in his TV show. So uh, if we can get something on that level out of him, and I think it's very possible, uh, that'll be uh, a coup for DC. And yeah, that's pretty cool that, uh, He's all in like that. And a few other little nuggets that came out, like they did show, I think the opening scene of the movie to the folks in the hall. So Mm -hmm. I think stuff like that is cool. Like I I hate when we lose, yeah, when we don't get to see the the first looks and the reveals and all that kind of stuff. Um, That feels like you're missing out and something that could be shared with everybody. But um, if if you're going to just show a scene from the movie that we all get to share. And like, quite frankly, that's something that, even if it was released online, I wouldn't seek out as a fan myself. Mm, i just wait to see agreed. it in the theater. Um, yeah, I think stuff like that's okay. But they did drop a nugget that Amanda Waller is actually going to be in mm. Black Adam. So shes I think she's going to be like a bit of a anti-Nick Fury or maybe an anti-Nick Fury running through the <laughs> DC universe, kind of tying things up and putting pieces into place. So yeah, it could be kind of cool, right, to build on that. And she's delivered in all the appearances that she's made thus far. And I I think it's neat that out of nowhere, the character that you're getting, who's going to be in more of these projects than anybody else is Viola Davis's Amanda Waller. So you couldn't ask for a better actress or a more multifaceted character to do that. So yeah, kind of a cool play. I was happy to hear that come out of, uh, san diego comic-con in relation to black adam and this goes to this idea
0: too that the dc is pressing ahead with a relatively connected universe they seem to be focusing on characters first and not building into something bigger but having these connected threads like viola Deyse's amanda waller is or goes to the idea or concept that they they are building a universe and i think dj wants to do that i that's the feeling i get when he talks about superman in those post interviews that you know he continues to tease that about who is superman and depends on who's playing him that's something he said right up there but he continues to tease a bigger universe and he wants to be part of a bigger universe but there is a process to getting there we've seen what rushing it can do Mm-hmm. Let's pull back. Let's establish some of these characters. Let's get Black Adam to be a household name. Let's get into Black Adam 2, 3, whatever, and then start to build something bigger. But he's already talking about the next steps of Justice Society. The I can't remember the Aldous Hodge, who plays Hawkman, fingers crossed, he wants a solo movie. So these guys are committed to these characters as you get into these post-SCCC interviews and what they want to see and how they want to evolve, which excites
1: me even more than the trailer, to be honest with you. One, there's things that I didn't expect. Like, I was excited at the casting, but I never, ever expected to hear Pierce Brosnan gushing about playing Dr. Fate, like, constantly. Mm -hmm. He keeps talking about how proud he is of the project and how amazing he thinks the character was. And that's something that I totally thought that he would just kind of show up and and do his thing and go home. But that a guy like that, who's kind of been in all, uh, all... corners of hollywood and done all types of different Mm -hmm. projects is that excited about black adam and what the future holds for dr fate i think it's pretty cool so yeah he also has one of the coolest looking characters going so how can you not be excited badass helmet
0: (laughs) he looks great too and that level of commitment is what you want out of an actor an actress because that to me is engaging as hell Mm-hmm. when i know someone enjoy playing a role and you get that feeling off of zachary levi as well when we're talking about shazam 2 fury of the gods another showcase panel that they had with the cast and they showed a brand new trailer man i tell you shazam wasn't my most favorite dc movie of all time but this second one they've turned it up to 11. They've embraced what again is a relatively connected universe with him making references to things like Batman and Superman, but this family aspect of it, I think it's so cool that they've blended both like the, the the emotional heart of what was Shazam in the family and they've brought this Shazamly right up to the forefront. This wasn't something they waited on. It's like in the middle of the trailer it is all about this. I am digging it. And the the antagonists here, what are the actresses' names? All I could know is the quote about the <laughs> –
1: what was it that they said about um, – Oh, the family oh, bit? Shoot. Yeah, Helen Mirren and yeah. Lucy Liu is – yeah. Yes. I, I, I thought that this trailer was perfect in that it really tells you that they took the original Shazam movie and all the things that people loved with the heart and the family – and just how accessible those characters were. And they just put more into it so that they they kept that piece intact. But then, hey, that first movie was a success. Let's spend a little bit more money on this one. Let's build out the world a bit more. You know, to have Demon Hanzu come back as the Wizard Shazam, mm-hmm. and he looks awesome. And there's no way that that guy doesn't at least have a cameo in Black Adam. Like, they, yes. he's the one that showed. Billy Batson Dwayne Johnson's Black Adam in the first Shazam movie. So yeah, it it's exciting and it's exciting to see him kind of be at the forefront of this whole thing. So yeah, that Shazam two trailer blew me away. I just how much better it looks. It looks a lot grander and it feels like a movie that'll have lots of lots of secrets and lots of Easter eggs and lots of fun little things here and there, like just even that scene in the the pediatric psychiatrist's office where he's showing them the table and you got the Dolph Annabelle sitting there and like Robin and Green Lantern dolls and Starro is there. And yeah, it's cool. Like I, I love that. And just like you said, those subtle connections. I think it's funny that people complain about DC not going fast when they complain about them going fast before and rushing things and now they're going slow. It's like, oh, you're not going fast enough. Where's my slate?
0: Well, I don't know if they really need one at this point in time. Like I love the Marvel stuff and I love seeing the slates and I love seeing the planning and the execution of all this, but at this point in time, we have to also think back to the infancy of the MCU, phase 1 in particular. One none of it really it connects a little bit. Like in hindsight it, it connects. But like in the moment, we're thinking, oh, okay, there's that one little like Nick Fury cue, and there's this one little thing. Oh, he said the word Avengers. But like the concept of this leading up to Thanos and all that, like that didn't come to fruition until 2014, 2015, like five to eight years after they really started moving inside of the MCU. And I like to think this DC is it's back in its infancy a little bit, where they have a foundation, they've established characters like Aquaman, and Wonder Woman, Shazam, and they're getting to your Black Adams and and really building on what was there but we also have to remember like they went too fast before and ended up in a space where they've got a justice league movie that is underperforming relative to a thor 3 movie mm-hmm. and which shouldn't be happening and now we're at a space where let's build a, a solid foundationist with actors that are committed like we've talked about and then we'll see this. Like, then we'll see what's happening, right? Like they did get a little ahead of themselves early in this year, and they did some shuffling, which I think is the right move. At the end of the day, yeah. when you now put Black Adam and Shazam back to back, you have two interconnected stories, not fully or narratively, but fundamentally, yeah. those two characters have a have an underlying connection. I think back to back, we're gonna see some interesting stuff. And this again is probably the influence of DJ wanting to put out the best product, saying. Maybe, it's, maybe we push this a little bit. Maybe we pull up Shazam. I'm seeing influences there where they're starting to make creative decisions for the betterment of the films, the brand, the product, all of it. And I'm okay if they go slow. I'm okay if they don't have a 10, 15-year plan. I just want them to execute what they have in front of them, build the confidence, get the general audience confidence back, and then you can sprint. Let's run before we can wa- or let's walk
1: before we can run.
0: If we can flip that one around.
1: Yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. One. Well, it's not like you can complete. It, like it's not like the 2018 where the only movie we got was Aquaman or 2019 where Joker was the only thing they brought to screen. We literally have four theatrical DC movies this year. Four mm. of them. Yeah. And like and
0: one of them like and Batman being probably and arguably the best comic book movie of the year. Yeah. Right. And like, you look at the the spectrum too. I was thinking about this earlier today. Is like, we've got this very dark, excellent Batman film. You've got a Super Pets film for the kids. You got Black Adam, which is going to be somewhere in between. And then you got Shazam, which is on the other end of the spectrum. So they've delivered literally four quadrants worth of movies mm-hmm. to everyone. They've they've literally hit every single demographic across this year. You can't ask for more than that. I don't think out of a studio that has a single IP. This is like, they're not, we're not talking about Warner's here. We're talking about DC.
1: Yeah. And no, so- I, <laughs> I, I, yeah. And that's why I kind of get my back up a bit when folks criticize them. Cause it's just like <laughs> literally put out four theatrical movies this year. And mm-hmm. if you're complaining, cause it's not exactly what you want. Well then that's kind of on you because I wouldn't give up the Batman for anything. Like that's a pretty special movie. So we don't get a movie like that. If they're, Strictly focused on trying to do things exactly the way they do at Marvel Studios. So yeah, man. Like I think it's a pretty exciting time. And if you mm-hmm. if you really assess, quite they put out one more theatrical movie than Marvel did this year.
0: Yep, there's and, only three. I was just literally going back and counting that. Like Multiverse Madness, Thor, and Wakanda Forever are coming out this year. And you then there's like three TV shows. But you have to remember too that DC put out Peacemaker and Titans. They are titans yeah and so there's still a lot going on there's if you, if you really want to break down the numbers there is the content it's not this connected content in the same vein as marvel but i don't think it has to be yeah and when then in... like you even look at on the other side
1: of things like sandman as well right
0: that i had know a, had
1: a, a showcase too <laughs> and that trail man i literally just got goosebumps right now as you just said the sandman because that trailer holy smokes like it blew me away like of all the things we saw this weekend like those two great DC trailers the amazing showcase that Marvel Studios put on like that Sandman trailer mm-hmm. that that left a mark and was able to make the statement that he did goes to say something about the quality of that that piece of media that Netflix worked with WBTV and DC to bring the screen because I think they've got something special there. Like it screams having the fundamental core intact of those books, but yet they've already started to do their own thing with pulling some of the concepts and stories from uh, later on in that series up to the forefront. I've seen a bit of the casting for a couple of the different stories where uh, Morpheus takes on a different form uh, in order to have a romance with a human and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be quite the show. And you just look at that trailer and just it is beautiful. Like, the mm-hmm. it's special effects heavy, but every single frame is a work of art. Like, everything looks wonderful. It looks so refined. And it looks like they did everything they could to capture the majesty and grandeur of that Sandman series. So, yeah, man. Like, phew. I am there for it. And we get it right away. August 5th is when this thing drops Mm -hmm. on Netflix. I can't believe, like, I don't know if I didn't click
0: before, if they just revealed it, that it's coming out that soon. Like, that's in, Carlos, that's in a handful, like a week's time. Like, next Friday or whatever it is. Like, that is very, very close.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they they did keep the release date pretty close to the vest until about... Mm -hmm. Like when that first trailer hit uh, like a month or so ago, Mm -hmm. that was when we got some rumblings that it was going to be coming out pretty quick. But yeah, like for me, I can't complain. Got a Sandman show in a week and just downloaded Warner Brothers Multiverses this morning and fought LeBron James with Batman. And uh, yeah, (laughs) it's all there if you want it. And the comic books, my boy Dalton, I know uh, you wanted us to talk more comics and we will, but the comic books are hitting. You got a bunch of great Superman series out right now. You got Chip Zdarsky and uh, Jimenez crushing it on that Batman book, and then Rom V is starting up his run on Detective Comics right away here. And Dark Crisis is amazing, is amazing. So uh, Yeah. yeah, lots of comics. You got a bit of everything there. So yeah, man, it's a good time to be a fan, like you said. Yeah
0: oh yeah and then we're not we're gonna get to the all the toy stuff in another episode guys because so much of it but he got this all the mcfarlane reveals everything that he's doing his weekly waves that he's been releasing, <laughs> all the crazy stuff that he's doing over there the excitement around what even he is doing in the spawn universe and so there is something literally for everyone and like you said with the comic books all here once we get our heads a little straight or me in particular life is starting to calm down a little bit here The consistency is going to come back and also our look backs and sideways tangents across different podcasting topics is going to return as well and you know we can bring jay on and we can talk some comics and i can finally get back to reading and so we got lots to come here guys but before we get anywhere close to that we got to start running through the mcu reveals here because like you said carlos marvel studios put on a unbelievable showcase more so than you'd expect from really anyone. And one of the things that I kept thinking is this has to be considered the anomaly, not the norm in the past pre 2014, they were doing very similar things where they were promoting the movies that were coming out in the back half of the year in the first half of the following year, they literally pegged us out to the end of 2025 and revealed all of phase five and three huge property dates and names for phase six which is absolutely and almost unprecedented for for the showcase that was put on here but before we get into phase five and phase six here let's talk about the end of phase four now phase four as it's been documented through through here has been a bit ebb and flow right we started off with wandavision mid-pandemic and we just got through Thor, Love and & Thunder. And guys, if I'm being completely honest with you, Thor, Love & Thunder, I got to see it one more time because I wasn't in the greatest state of mind and I don't really remember a whole bunch of it if I'm <laughs> being honest with you. I don't know if that's commentary on the actual film, but we will get to review that down the road. We'll let it cool off, maybe do a Disney Plus drop review on that one uh, because there's been a lot of chit-chat around that. But being that that is the through line here, phase four, we've got a lot of properties on a lot of new properties that drop. dropped. And we're going to have two more properties, two more characters that come to screen here. One on Disney Plus and one on the big screen. They're going to cap out Phase 4. So let's talk about that. There's She-Hulk and Wakanda Forever. Both of them got brand new trailers that were dropped online. And Wakanda Forever has been stated by Kevin Feige as what is going to close out Phase 4. So 14 properties landed inside of Phase 4 spanning from whatever it was, 2020 through to the end of 2022. Now, before we talk about Wakanda Forever, very briefly, She-Hulk. This trailer, an improvement from the one before, but still a little janky looking. I don't know. Like I, am very much in the same or hold the same light that you do towards or sympathy towards the the VFX houses. Is that they are pedaled to the metal. The expectation is super high. These guys are run down. They've been doing all they can to try to catch up from the pandemic. But this one still looks a bit off to me. I, is it just me, or does she Hulk kind of have a weird? There's there's something about it that just doesn't look right yet.
1: Yeah, man. Like there's folks out there excited for it, and that's awesome. And, and I love it.
0: I, I, yeah. I'm I'm more excited now than I have been in previously. I kind of love the concept that they're doing with all these like weirdos that need <laughs> that need legal representation
1: inside yeah. of the superhero world. I'm really loving that concept. But yeah, like this will be one that, like, right, for right now, like I'll probably just hang tight on it, and if, um, you know, if, if the buzz is great, I'll I'll catch up with the whole show. But my plan for now is just kind of watch the Daredevil appearances. I imagine mm-hmm. he'll be in an episode or two, but. I, I don't love the Mark Ruffalo Hulk, and this is the Mark Ruffalo Hulk turned up to 75 from what I saw in that trailer. So um, some folks love it. I'm ride or die with my boy Ed Norton and what they're doing in the Incredible Hulk movie. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably just hang tight on it, watch uh, the bits with uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil making his way to the forefront. And, yeah, leave it for other folks who uh, who are down with what they're doing in there. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm digging it I'm definitely going to check this out day of release and
0: I'm assuming most of this trailer and most of the Ruffalo Hulk stuff is actually inside of the first episode I'm assuming there's a bit of a training bit of this is who you are what you are and how you got here and then Ruffalo Hulk disappears they kind of allude to that actually in one of the scenes when she does the breaking of the fourth wall where she is going back to take part uh, or to continue to be a lawyer and so I'm assuming that there's a break off there within the first episode or two but the exciting bit of this is is got to be like you said the daredevil the potential for charlie cox and i think there's there's shades of a yellow or a brown yellow suit that he's going to be wearing in that uh, some people lightened up the the scenes in there and it does not look like the red suit
1: yeah yeah like there's that one scene where he does like the the somersault over her and the headlights of the vehicle catch him and it's definitely the red and yellow suit, the the OG mm-hmm. DD look. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that comes off on screen and how they do it. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm all in for, for my boy Matt Murdoch, so can't can't miss that bit of that show. No, it's it's gonna look good and you've got Wong making an appearance
0: there, connecting up with Shang Chi and him and Abomination doing their fist fighting bits and so Wong seems to be another guy that's connecting more so than anyone else across all of these films from Dr. (laughs) Strange to Shang-Chi to now She-Hulk and Multiverse of Madness of course and so yeah I'm kind of digging this one but for the things that were released publicly I have to say this Wakanda Forever trailer overshadowed I would say almost everything that was revealed at Comic-Con this this past week because Not only was it the first trailer, but it's really the first time we've gotten a look at anything to do with Wakanda Forever, so much so that you and I have been speculating whether or not this movie was actually going to land inside of 2022 because we had not heard a thing for it. They had some production issues. They had some cast issues. But, man, come on. This is one of the best trailers I have ever seen from the MCU.
1: Yeah. Like, I... Like you said, I had my doubts that it was actually going to make its release date because they wrapped filming so, so late and everything's been full-court press with uh, special effects. That said, the fact that they went and shot on location in Puerto Rico seems to be paying off in spades because this movie looks just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And I love the tone of it. I love the themes that they got playing And like, even in the comics, my favorite Black Panther and Wakanda stuff is how Wakanda relates and interacts and pushes back against the outside world uh, while trying to have its spot that lines up with its own culture, visions, mission, values uh, in the world. And that that's the focal point of this movie had me all in like that that Ramonda takes the throne is amazing. Um, That really somebody as the Black Panther seems to be a bit of an afterthought with the movie, I think is awesome too. And I really love this conflict that's building and not even so much with the Atlanteans or Atlantans or whatever they end up being as far as Namor's people go, but the conflict between Wakanda's throne and the rest of the world and what they're expected to be and who they want to be. And that's a part that was really compelling for me. And then just the look of it, like that, this is why a champion filming on location and yeah, maybe you do one or two Mm -hmm. less projects a year, but you take the time and you employ the artisans and you uh, go about doing a bit of old school filmmaking because your films just look better. And they become a bit more timeless, right? Because yeah. they're not beholden to effects technology and how much your artists were able to do in the time they were allotted and and whatnot. A good movie is a good movie is a good movie. It's been that way since the '30s when the first things were being put to film. So totally agree. Yeah, man. totally agree. This one, like, like Phase Four has not been for me. Like, I love my Spider Man moments and Miss Marvel. Well. I'll, defend that girl with my dying breath. But um, <laughs> this really, really got me excited. Like uh, the the Black Panther stuff has always kind of been special to me with my folks being born and raised in Africa. So um, I've always had a, a fondness for it. But like, even if that was absent, this trailer was extremely compelling. So yeah, that yeah, would be yeah. a day one for me. Yeah, for sure
0: it's one of these films going into right that there there's a there's a huge absence with Chadwick Boseman and T'Challa not being in this and how you approach this commitment that Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios made of not recasting this individual not pulling T'Challa back into the story in some capacity or some facet but it looks like they're going to leverage or maybe leverage is the wrong word they're going to use that as part of the storyline and build off of that and that has got me intrigued, to be honest with you. It's it's something that I didn't expect to be so emotionally struck by this trailer. I just wanted to see something from it. But the way that they weave this together and really use it as a, an emotional anchor for it all really drew, I think, a lot of people into what this story, and it intrigued a lot of people and engaged a lot of people on what the story is actually going to be. And then you layer in the things like Namor, which is was quite a surprise because they had announced officially that he was going to be in this and we're, we're only a couple months out from this project landing this project lands i think on november 11th or november 13th or something like that and so you, you back that up we're only like four or five months out from this project really starting to ramp up and we hadn't even got confirmation that namor was going to be in this let alone the main antagonist now yes it was speculated and and all that but it was really cool to see him in this with a, a mexican-born actor in the role you have to forgive me i forget his name but he looks great and the, I don't think it's going to be Atlanteans. I think there is another name that they are using for Atlantis that maybe the Greek mythology version of Atlantis, I think. No, I think they're Um, tying to
1: Aztec mythology, which makes sense. Yes. If they're connected, if they're, if they've cast a, Mexican-born name more than, yeah, build it around who you've cast, which makes spades of sense. So, yeah, it's cool, man. And it just, like like I've moaned before about how so much of Marvel was just white guys from New York. So now that we have this massive international story with, like, tons of different people, I think that's awesome. And I loved the things that they did with the Atlanteans, how they're like, well, Aquaman went really high tech with how the Atlanteans get around and business so mm-hmm. let's strip it down and these guys are latching themselves onto whales and it looked equally cool and was equally as interesting so yeah i i love everything they've done with namor and like why not why not and he's always been a bit of an odd duck character for how they handle him in the comics and so i love that they're making a really bold statement with their take on him and doing something pretty special i think
0: and then this sets a foundation like the the, the gentleman got up and sp- spoke about inclusion. And the reason he's here is because of this and that the kids looking at him now can can say I can get that I can dream and those dreams can be realized. And I thought that was super cool of him. And just that now from point forward that that is like for the G.A., that is what and who namor is mm-hmm. right because namor doesn't there's not gonna be people up there waving their arms being like oh you know he, he needs to do this he's got the pointy ears he's got the wings on his feet yeah and there you go he so needs to be able to breathe it, underwater the, that's about the, it right? <laughs> yeah and like there's there's nothing else that like there's nothing to be beholden to there's nothing to say that this character can't be this because of x y and z they're able to to take this character and run with him and that is exactly what ryan coogler is doing And I think to put Wakanda, like if you can't have Chadwick Boseman's T'Challa in there and you put, now you put what is going to be probably framed up as the two most superior races on planet Mm -hmm. earth. And you put them head to head and have them clash. I think that's going to be quite the story. Like Hickman did a very big run of this in his 2015, 14, maybe Avengers and new Avengers stuff where Namor and T'Challa butted heads and the Atlanteans attacked Wakanda. It looks like they might be pulling threads from that. Um, you do see some scenes where it looks like Wakanda's being flooded. And I'm I'm just really digging this idea, like you said, like this is a big international movie that looks absolutely gorgeous. And it's taking two very different cultures and smashing them together and see what happens on the other side.
1: Yeah, it's cool. Who's your guess for who's the Black Panther? That we see... Nakia. In. Yeah, and that's who I think too.
0: I think she makes the most sense. The way she was framed up in the trailer, it might be a bit of a swerve. You may get Shuri in the suit at some point, but I do truly believe that the baton passing to Nakia makes the most sense from a, like a narrative and maybe <laughs> a longevity
1: stance as well. Yeah, like she just... That character had just so much more agency and gravitas mm-hmm. than Letitia Wright Shuri did. And um, I think Shuri would work better going forward as this, a similar type role, as a mm-hmm. playful uh, kind of sidekick and tech guru to your Black Panther. So, well, and they kind of set it up in the first movie too, right? Where yeah, his mom and the rest of them were trying to get her to take the steal the herb and take it and get the powers herself. So yeah, I think that that's what makes the most sense as well. Yeah. Agreed.
0: And you've got iron heart Williams making her presence felt in this trailer as well, which it almost like there was, there's a bit of a baton pass because she seems like she's taking on the tech role Hmm. a little bit. Um, But you do see her pounding out the heart, the chest of the iron, and so there, there's going to be some connectivity there and establishing her here before we do see her in phase five is is pretty cool towards the middle part of phase five. Um, but yeah, Black Panther, it absolutely blew me away. I was jaw dropped. I've watched that trailer a dozen times, but absolutely jaw dropped from what they are to put the screen there. And the fact too, maybe this is what made it more exciting. We didn't know anything about it. Right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to see Namor. The first time I watched a trailer is like a lot of underwater stuff. And I was just like, I can't tell who, like, whose kid is this being born? Is that like, at first I was like, oh, maybe T'Challa and Nakia had a kid. And like, this is just like a ceremony. And then I was, oh no, it it turns out (laughs) that's an Atlantean thing. Um, Even when they're on the whales, I was like, ah, like I didn't, the connection didn't immediately, I didn't put those pieces together immediately in my head until Namor was walking up on the beach.
1: Yeah, no, it was cool. Like you said, it's because we didn't know anything about it, so that mm-hmm. made it all the, that much more exciting, right? And yeah, I, I love these late in the game promotions because it makes no sense to do it super early in the in the game because people's attention spans are short. Like, sure, it's nice to get, well, especially stuff, when you got but... so many properties and you've got all
0: the summer coming. Like, you got all these movies dropping on us. Like, even the movies themselves—they're physically in theaters—only get a week or two. You don't want to drop your your trailers or anything like that inside of that because it just gets lost in the thing unless it's bullet train, which is the trailer
1: that we've all seen a thousand times. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. So here's my conspiracy theory. I am almost convinced that people within the industry knew that that's how Marvel was going to be closing out Hall H on Saturday. And that's mm-hmm. why it was a bit of a muted presentation from everybody else because they're just like, it doesn't matter. Like if DC had brought out Aquaman and the Flash and brought out Michael Keaton and revealed his costume and blah, 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 blah. The talk of the town at the conclusion of Saturday evening would have still been that massive slate of reveals. And as much as fanboys mm-hmm. love to think that there's like this axes versus Allies thing going on in the background, I hate nah. to break it to you. <laughs> Kevin Feige and Jeff Johns are literally best friends. I think you and I mm-hmm. shared a video of the two of them talking about one of them getting yeah. stuck on the road and the other one <laughs> having him live in his, like, shed on his apartment building or whatever. Like, they are literally best friends. And all these mm-hmm. guys, it's a small, small community in Hollywood. And, yeah, I am i wouldn't be surprised if it's like, hey, dude, what are you guys bringing so that we don't spend too much money for nothing? Exactly. Exactly. Look, if steps up and
0: says, I'm going to show 24 properties and also the first Black Panther trailer for Wakanda forever, the first piece of Black Panther we're seeing really post Chadwick Boseman's death, DC just says, you know what? You have this day. We're going to we're going to light up in October with DC fandom or something. We'll we'll take care of ourselves here. But you, you guys got the day because even some of these reveals inside of phase five, like even those alone, like they start to take the wind out of a lot of sales, and you don't want to be spending 20, 30 million dollars to, to have Daredevil Reborn
1: take the wind out
0: of your sales. <laughs> you
1: well, know yeah, what I mean? well, and that's why I think it's dumb, and that's why the lack of our objectivity comes with treating everything as though it's this massive competition. It makes you a bit blind to a few things, right? Like, are you yeah, telling me it's, that it's... James Gunn who works for Warner Brothers had no idea that this was going to be happening? Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Look, I know that you're my future employer, but I got this secret thing happening and I don't know yeah. anything else <laughs> that's happening on Saturday night. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Have some intellectual honesty. That's what we yeah, preach on it's this all show. There. Positivity it's... and intellectual honesty.
0: It's all there. It's it's good business sense. This is the piece that I love that we talk about is like There is the fanboy aspect of it, which we are heavily embedded in. Mm -hmm. But there's also the business side of it. There's decisions that are made from a business perspective, and you everyone knew that DC panel was before the Marvel panel, and Marvel promised they were bringing huge stuff. So why invest? Why not invest in DC fandom? Why not (laughs) invest in something else? And have like when DC fandom happens, they have literally a weekend of people going nuts. This, they would have had three hours. Three hours. Yeah. That's it. And then everyone's forgotten about it because of Black Panther, because of New World Order, because of whatever Thunderbolts, Daredevil Reborn. Like, there's a lot of stuff. The Avengers movies, right? Like, this is Marvel. This is what they do. They put on these big showcases once or twice a year. And this one, because of the pandemic, turned out to be a two or three times jacked up showcase.
1: Because there's a lot to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I kind of loved, I, like for me and where I am with the MCU, I really loved and appreciated what they did. Because I, I made a conscious effort. That I was like, you know what, I'm going to off-ramp on a few of these things just because it allows me to enjoy those things that I am anticipating or that uh, the projects that I think the creatives are interesting on or the stories that they're doing are interesting. It allows me to enjoy those things so much more. So now to see it all laid out in front of me, it's like, hey, that's cool. There's a bunch of stuff I can skip and a bunch of stuff I can really get amped for. So I appreciated this approach of this massive slate being unveiled. And, you know, it was kind of cool to hear the discourse in our house with, like, the kids picking which things that they were interested in, one versus the other. And... Yeah, it's kind of becoming a thing where yeah, you pick or choose your favorites and you can enjoy the other things on Disney Plus down the road if you want to. And that's a pretty neat place mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. to be. Well, and like they, they introduced us or welcomed us to
0: the, the next saga, right? The multiverse saga. So this is building off of the concept of the Infinity Saga. Those phases one through three and phases four through six is going to be the multiverse saga. But when you step back and look at the films and properties that are being put inside of this multiverse saga – Things like Echo and Blade and maybe Daredevil, Thunderbolts, they're probably not going to have too much weight or heavy implications into the multiverse saga in the same way that Doctor Strange does or Guardians might or Manium will. So you can watch some of these properties Mm -hmm. probably in complete isolation. The idea of sequential movie watching, because there's so much stuff coming out over the next couple of years, it's, it's not as ingrained in the narrative as it used to be for phases one through three. Now, some of it may eventually, or you might get a teaser or a little stinger clip or something, but I, can't, I can honestly can't see Echo weighing too heavily
1: into the multiverse saga, to be honest with you. No, one, like Disney Plus has kind of changed the game too now, right? Where it's like, well, I need to see Captain Marvel because I'm not sure I'll be able to get it on some format at home before Endgame comes out, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Those conversations have kind of changed. And yeah, I I think you're bang on in that not everything will be contributing to that grand finale. In fact, my favorite thing to come out of the conversations in our house this weekend was, what's the Thunderbolts? It's basically Great Value Suicide Squad. Yeah, I thought that that was a hilarious description (laughs) by one of my kids to the other. But uh, yeah, if you want to skip Great Value Suicide Squad, sure. I don't think mm-hmm. that watching the the Kang based Avengers 5 will be any of the lesser for it. So
0: no, no, not at all. And like as we're talking through this, we got 12 properties inside of phase 5 that were announced and put in front of us, some which we knew about, others which are new reveals. You know we're talking about things like Quantumania coming up, secret invasion and guardians, all properties we knew were coming. They did showcase footage inside of hall h i've been unable to find any leak clips of that other than the little bit of the rocket stuff but it looks like both of those looking at again screen descriptions of people that were in the room quantum mania you get we got that poster first look at kang modok is apparently in it secret invasion apparently is taking much more of a tone of a winter soldier guardians of the galaxy is meant to be this very emotional ride the true end of the team that we have been with from guardians one in 2014 and then we move on to other things like Loki Season 2, Echo, The Marvels, Blade finally getting a release date. Michelle Mar- Mashal Ali's Blade. That is dropping November 3rd, 2023. We've got a huge announcement of Daredevil Born Again, an 18-episode Disney Plus title with Charlie Cox and Vincent Doffro returning to those roles from the Netflix series. That's coming out in spring of 24. That final confirmation of Captain America 4, titled No New World Order. New 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 World Order. And the reveal, of course, of of thunderbolts and a slight change to Agatha Coven of, of Chaos is now the name, and you got also Ironheart in there. So there's there's a there's a pile of stuff to come out over the next two years, twelve properties inside of Phase Five. What what's what's something that jumps out at you off the screen here? Is it just is it the Daredevil stuff, the big big thing?
1: The Daredevil stuff I'm curious about. So when they call it Born Again, I don't think it'll be the Born Again story, and just because. Season 3 of Daredevil was very much uh, a big part of what Frank Miller told over the course of that tale. And so I think Netflix has already covered a lot of that ground. I think they used the title because mm-hmm. it's pretty sexy for this Daredevil now being entrenched in the MCU. So um, I'll be curious to see what that is. With the 18 episodes, my speculation is, is that because the Disney Plus Marvel shows have been 6 episodes that'll be 3 6 episode arcs type of thing. Yeah. is how Daredevil will play out. And which I I personally think would be for the best just because those 18 22 episode seasons of TV, you always have so much bloat and filler. Like that's been the Achilles heel of the mm-hmm. DCCW stuff is um these huge episode counts. So that's what the, that's what my hypothesis is with how they're handling Daredevil. So yeah, that one I'm excited about like Black Panther obviously um to be honest like miss marvel has kind of changed the the game for what's happening with the marvels for me mm-hmm. um so I'm pretty curious about that one and yeah a lot of it will be just kind of wait and see and we'll see what those first trailers and what the initial bits are all about and uh, where they take things. I'm excited to see what Jonathan Majors brings to Kang. Like yes. he's, he, he's kind of one of those things that I was talking about before where he's almost the draw for me to go see something like Mania in the theater just because I, I adore that guy as an actor. So um, to see his performance and what he does with the character and where they're going with it, that'll be why I go see that movie as opposed to just waiting for um, watching it on Disney Plus kind of thing. So. Yeah, man. Like th- this, Phase 5 is looking pretty, pretty damn
0: interesting. You know, things that jump off the, the page to me Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I love what James Gunn has put to screen mm-hmm. here. And by the sounds of it and the way the actors were very emotional on stage about this being an end to this team really of of the guardians of the galaxy like the guardians of the galaxy name will continue and it has changed and evolved in the same way the avengers does in the comic books where the team has a core but it changes all the time the original guardians are not the guardians that we see on screen today those guardians didn't come until 2007 2008 is when those were established your star lord groot rocket drax and gamora mantis even and so seeing this team change even maybe adding a guy like adam warlock who becomes a guardian at one point and it's gonna be interesting to see how james gunn closes this out because he he definitely does and i think the cast does see this as the the end of this story the end of this chapter and james gunn is then moving his creative talents over to dc i think in a substantial way and so I think that they've given him enough free reign by the sounds of it to tell the finality of this, while well, probably also allowing the property to continue in some facets, some fashion too.
1: so that that one's oh, got man. me excited, yeah. next iteration of the Guardians, like my absolute dream won't happen because of just real world things. But like, if they cast their own, Slash Thompson and gave me Agent Venom oh, with that symbiote man, that was left behind. They in no way. <laughs> don't don't put that out uh, as
0: being a non possibility because you know what the hell did they do with that symbiote? Agent Venom was a big part of a recent run of Guardians comic books, and no, I th- they have been pulling a lot from very recent
1: stories. Dude, if that happens, I'll get my Agent Venom tattoo because I freaking like that's my favorite version of the Venom character, which is a character I love. I hate all the other symbiote nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like, so for one to stand out like that, like you can keep your Riot and your Phage and your Scream and whatever other garbage ones you want to have. Like, but Flash Thompson as Agent Venom or Agent Anti Venom, like man, that guy is just the class character. Like, he's got all the elements of a true Marvel classic with your every man who's overcoming stuff like he's awesome. So if that happens, like
0: God. if you want to anchor your guardians, your new guardian series with something doing that piece of it, it, it makes it different enough, but then it's also like, okay, this is kind of curious Agent venom. And it's also very different from what they're doing on the venom side of things in the Sony world. So it becomes two completely different characters. And you, you don't have to worry about, oh, there's two Venoms or oh, your character, like one's better than the other, or how does this fit? Like it very, like Flash Thompson could be on vacation and wherever he was and ends up picking that thing up and boom, there you go. I, that's a possibility, man. You anchor that and then you, you end up on the symbiote planet in some sense, like they did in there. And there's, there's a lot you can do with that. I, I actually, right now, now that you're putting that into the universe, I think that's a real possibility.
1: Oh dude that would be so sweet like oh if they could like if they could sort that with Sony and like you said it wouldn't walk on no. anything they're doing with Venom and you know lord knows that there's enough symbiotes oh, to yeah. play with there's there's too many symbiotes to play with in my opinion but so yeah if they uh, give Kevin Feige this one I'd say I'd shave my head and wear a hat all the time but that that wouldn't be much of No it. <laughs> Declaration, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And the other thing in Phase Five here that's got me got me
0: pumped. Like everything does. Secret Invasion is something I want to see adapted for quite some time. I'm, I'm intrigued by Thunderbolts, but it's got to be the announcement of Captain America: New World Order. I, I really don't know exactly what story they're going to go with here, um but I hope they go back to the political theater of of film and embed Sam Wilson in and maybe pull on some more of those threads that we wanted to see inside of. Uh, the Falcon and the winter soldier Um, pull on, Mm -hmm. pull on that, that run a little bit more Sam Wilson being the the title character here. You know, there's a tweet recently that Chris Evans put out there said Sam Wilson is captain America. Like stop fighting about this. Like, (laughs) like we might, may see Evans back in secret wars, but the captain America going forward that this movie is centered around is Sam Wilson. And I'm digging this. I, I want to see what they can do with this. I want to see what he can do in his own. Maybe separate him out a little bit from Bucky. Um, maybe drop a, someone else supporting in there, But which they did tease in um, the Falcon number two. They did tease that in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I, I want more cap. I want Sam Wilson to get get his big screen adaptation here and it looks like they're going with it and you know that's really going to drive us home and through into phase six which takes us to the early part of 2024 with fantastic four getting a release date in november of 2024 and uh and then the announcement of two avengers movies avengers 5 and avengers 6 one being titled the kang dynasty and the other avengers secret wars two huge titles I would really hang your hat on these release dates that much. I would. I'm guessing all of these are probably going to move around in Phase Six. That these are just placeholders for now. But Carlos, talk to me. Let's talk about these Avengers films here as we kind of close out here in the last couple minutes. These are these are big film announcements. So Kang Dynasty really establishing Kang as the throughgoing major villain, uh, and Secret Wars. This this is it's a big big film like this how or what they choose to adapt will be interesting. What liberties they take with, I think there's three different stories in eighties to mid two thousands. Mm-hmm. And then in around that 2015 mark that Jonathan Hickman did. So there's a bit to pull from there. This concept of incursions may weigh heavily into it, but what are your thoughts on this? These, these big, big title names for what is meant to be the, the next
1: big culmination of, of these next three phases that we're consuming at the moment. Well, before we get to Avengers, they need to move the Fantastic Four to April 4th, 2024. That just has to happen. Yes. So.
0: Yes. That, that makes more sense than <laughs> it. I don't think that's coming out in November, that Fantastic Four <laughs> movie of 20, whatever it is.
1: But um,
0: yeah, Fantastic Four. I'm sure we're going to get a casting announcements here at D23 is a rumor for that as well. Okay.
1: So yeah. Have my Dev Patel-led Fantastic Four come out April 4th, 2024. That's got to happen. <laughs> but, uh yeah, I love the idea of uh Kang being the big bad going forward. He's interesting, and he sits in a space where you can have some of these projects live independently and not have to feed that narrative. Mm-hmm. But then yep. very easily, literally with the snap of fingers, can be brought into this. And, you know, you, you just use those characters as your POV and... Uh, get your audience up to speed with them. Uh, so yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if they replace the like a character like the Beyonder in Secret Wars with Kang. Yes, I think that's where they're going. And so you'll you might have that same Infinity War Endgame type of thing where your heroes lose in Kang Dynasty, and then your Secret Wars is the the spot where they get uh, to come back and win the day, so to speak. So I. I think that might be where they go. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see them do the Kang Dynasty thing. And like you said, Secret Wars is just so many different versions of this that can happen. I think if I was a betting man, I'd put my money on this being where you have your X-Men come into play. And that way mm-hmm. you can parachute your mutants in however you want. I know they started to seed it a little bit with Miss Marvel. I imagine Namor will be a mutant um, in... Black Panther as well, which will be how they explain it, And even that birth scene kind of speaks to that. Cause like the baby I think is him being born and you can see mm. the, the midwife, I think who it is or the, the father kind of look at the wings and the feet. So um, there is a, a lot of precedent for him being the first mutant. So yeah, if they go with that, then you have two with Kamala and now Namor and then, you know, seed a few more in slowly, but surely as we go forth and, see what happens in the secret wars maybe that's the the explosion of the mutants Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a very very cool i think way to cap all this off
0: there's a big question mark on all this one's the next avengers movies you know there's probably eight slots in that phase six that haven't been filled yet so do we get a young avengers who comes next what properties are out there armor wars is one that's been tossed there that doesn't have a spot on the slate yet and so big things building into two huge Avengers movies. I can see the Kang Dynasty, like you said, acting very much so like the Infinity War, where it is potentially a little bit smaller. Not small, but smaller than what Secret Wars is going to be. Mm-hmm. And we've also got our director, Shen- Shang-Chi's Destin Daniel Creighton, is doing uh, the Kang Dynasty. That was announced today that he is he's taking the reins for that big Avengers film, which is exciting because something you mentioned, I think, before as well is that, you know, sensibility-wise, Shang-Chi is probably one of the the better Phase 4 films.
1: Yeah, well... And so to see him taking that on is is pretty exciting. Yeah, even the direction of that film, I think, is stronger than anything else in Phase 4. Like, as awesome as the things John Watts did in No Way Home, a lot of that was Mm -hmm. just out of the sheer fact that you have our three Spider-Mans kind of thing together. Um, so yeah, I, as, as if I was to look at the direct and direction of the phase four movies, Shang-Chi is in a class of its own. So I'm super excited to see that guy get the nod and I really like his style and he seems to work perfectly within Marvel system in that he does what they need him to do, but adds his own flair and does it. Um, with some panache. So yeah, that was, nobody had that on their bingo card, but I think it's the best choice that they could have made. So yeah, I'm really excited about him being the guy who's going to be steering the ship for that. And I kind of suspect he'll be doing both, but we'll see.
0: Yeah. The secret Wars is going to be big undertaking. My, I still, even though they've come out right and said, no, at this point, they're not doing it. I still am pegging the Russos. Is-
1: hey, man, they got a Grey Man universe to take care of. Oh, yeah, I
0: just saw that. <laughs> the, <laughs> the whole universe. They got a spin-off TV show. They got a sequel in development. And so, yeah, maybe they've gone all in with the Grey Man. But Secret Wars, is it comes out in 2025, May or November 2025. My guess that actually comes out in May of 2026 would be the, the long-shot guess on that for me because mm-hmm. it's such a huge move. Like, they basically got to start putting it together now to make that if they shoot these two things back to back like that's two years of prep and that puts you on the doorstep of both of these right and so it makes you like is there a shang chi 2 coming out i know uh daniel or destin there has been pegged to do the wonder man stuff and so there's a whole bunch of of moving around here that's got to happen and so again like i said i wouldn't hang your hat on too many of these two three year out film dates as we've seen in the past these things shift and move around but holy man, this is this is this, this, these were big announcements. Everything from your ground floor echoes and daredevils and iron hearts right up to your cosmic with guardians and secret invasion, quantum main, everything is happening in these big, huge Avengers films. And Feige said, you know, "This isn't it. They've got D twenty three coming. There's few things to be announced coming down the road. We've got you know big castings for things like Fantastic Four on tap, and really how this all lays out. But at the end of the day, Carlos, as we cap this thing off, it it's really about how good it is for us here, us the fans. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I want everyone listening today to walk away with is that you know we've just talked about such a small little piece of of what was San Diego Comic-Con. There's the toys, the comics, all the reveals from all these different creatives, artists, and everything, doing so much in the animation world. And it, it's in an unbelievable space. And the thing I love about it most is there's literally something for everyone. If you're into anime, if you're in the MCU, DC, if you're into toy collecting, whatever you're into, guys, there's something at San Diego Comic-Con. It's great to have it back. It's great to see... industry being so successful in every single facet of it the fact that we can't even keep up with action figures for these movies and for these shows and these crossovers the tmnt stuff that we our last episode that we literally taking this giant step back because we we were saying there's too much and we love it all so much but it's it's becoming difficult to keep up with so that's the thing i want you guys to walk away with is that we are so profoundly lucky to, to be consuming all this and here's the thing too if you don't like thor love and thunder that's okay because guess what wakanda forever comes out in like a couple months and she all comes out in like three weeks and so they're put it on the shelf not for me move on to the next thing that is is it a really weird mindset but I wouldn't get hung up on things that you don't like. If you don't like
1: it, it's okay. You don't have to watch it again. I know, man. The be, be like me. I'm just like Tom Holland, Spider-Man in the MCU. Don't know when I'm going to show up or what kind of damage I'll do,
0: yeah. but
1: I'm just there, just there in the background. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Always loving life. And it's, like I said, it's okay to not like something. It's okay to not like something, but it does not have to steer your life for weeks on end (laughs) because you don't like something. So just, just putting that out there, guys, we like to have fun. We like to poke a little bit at the, the feeling of fandom because I, I I honestly, to myself think and reflect back on this being like, I, I, the winners here are, are all of us at the end of the day. Like there, there's no one else that is walking away with more gold around her neck than than the fans because we've we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of properties and hundreds of hours of content it's whether you're reading playing with toys or watching films it's all there
1: yeah and quite like we started said at the top of the show if you want to truly love fandom just don't treat it like a competition there's no standings yeah. there's no points if you don't have the highest grossing movie in a year you don't miss playoffs and (laughs) win the pennant. I don't know. It doesn't it truly doesn't matter unless you're a major shareholder. If you are, you can you can spam me with whatever angry hashtags and DMs and spiteful Mm -hmm. messages you like. If you're a major shareholder I own one stock of Disney. I owned one stock of Marvel that converted to a Disney stock. (laughs) So (laughs) there there you go. I'm
0: I'm, I I own zero point zero 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 one percent of the companies.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I don't no, even know if it's l- <laughs> that high. That's why I said major. That's why I said yeah. major. So, <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's just it's just an amazing time to be a fan. Like we did a hour and a bit podcast. We didn't talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Finally seeing no. the big screen again since the '80s. Didn't talk about Rick Grimes and Michonne coming back in The yes. Walking Dead. So, Lord of the Rings, yeah. the power, the Ring of
0: Power trailer, all the animation stuff, X Men '97. The toys, Marvel Legends, and Black Series, and mcfarlane's and God, there's just, there's just so much. We're gonna catch up with it. We're gonna catch up with it here over the next few weeks. We're gonna drip feed some of this stuff in and let it digest a little bit. We're gonna have a toy episode in the future here, and and we're back, guys. We're gonna be back with some consistency. Life is is I, I'm out of my house. I, I'm homeless at the moment. And uh, I will be for another seven yeah. weeks, so I'll be
1: podcasting on the road. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here right now <laughs> on my podcast chair, and I'm looking at a Ninja Turtles pterodrome and a sewer playset and a fire <laughs> and Ecto-1 box. Yeah, what I got to say is... The hierarchy of power at the Nerd Room podcast is yeah. about to change. <laughs> it is. All my shit's in Carlos's basement right now. <laughs> it's in the back end. He <laughs> was kind enough to lend me this space because I was
0: very concerned about going to a storage unit. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, that will be chronicled in the future as, as the new Nerd Room emerges here. And guys, we've got lots of exciting things planned for the fall of this year. I'm going to be keeping the pace here a little bit better with the podcast kind of dropping more on a weekly basis and YouTube's going to be coming back. And if you guys would at ever at any point wanna have some input or want to be a bigger part of the show, you can always email us at the nerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do at the nerdroom.net. That is not happening right now, but it will happen in the fall. So you can hit us up at Instagram as well at the NerdRM and YouTube. Like I said, we're gonna be ramping things back up there. Ian's going through a, a bit of a time to himself and so We're going to get some videos falling back on that channel there in the not-too-distant future, some collection stuff, going to follow a bit of an adventure of mine through me revamping and renewing my new nerd room once I do get a host, or once I land in my house at the end of August here, and... Twitter. we are, I'm back there a little bit more, and so I, I don't know if I regret it or not, but uh, I came on for SDCC, <laughs> but we'll see how long I last on the platform again. But our handles are at the end of the episode, of course, as they are every single week. So, Carlos, my man, it's been a pleasure talking about SDCC, bring a little positivity, and have a little fun with Phantom at the same time. So, with all that being said, for The Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And I'm Batman. And thank you guys so much for entering The Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room podcast production. You can find our hosts Tim, Troy, Sanjay and Carlos on Twitter at TheNerdRM, Troy the boy 87, Sunjabby, and CDN Caped Crusade R. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out the nerdroom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Use the hashtag #wethenerd to keep up with the latest from the Nerd Room on Instagram and Twitter.